Hello and welcome to another extra special, extra wonderful, perfectly spectacular, and definitely not creepy, disgusting, awful episode of Normandy <laughs> FM, The Last of Us Part 2 edition. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, as always, joined by Kenneth Shepard. Ken, how you doing? Just just trying to vibe, not be stressed out. Uh-huh. Stressful uh-huh. times right now, but... You know, just normal, normal romp through buildings, no uh, interruptions by any sorts of large, multi-headed monsters or anything. Yeah. <laughs> we, we on the podcast are a multi-headed monster today because we are joined by Funke Joseph from Fanbyte. Funke, how are you doing today? I'm doing nice. Ah, <laughs> I'm the little arm at the side. <laughs> oh, the my little, little gross little shit that fucking, you know, comes out of are you the one that splits off and like starts going around and causing hijinks while we're trying to deal with the the big one? Is that what's going on? Like, yes, that was my mission since birth. So I'm excited <laughs> to enact it. Mm. Oh, Funke, for the folks at home, uh, give us a little bit of details about yourself, who you are, what you do, how Ken managed to get uh, another one of his coworkers onto this show, uh, <laughs> against all odds at this point where we basically had the whole fan bite staff on <laughs> six or seven at this point have been on. Yeah. This show? Seriously. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, we've got um, like what Paul and a few others left. Uh, and yeah. then also like why, why the last of us and why this section? Oh, that's, these are great questions. Uh, well, a little bit about me. I am Funke Joseph, a featured contributor at Fanbyte. Dot com. Um, I've been doing freelance writing and video work for a while now, and yeah, I, I, I like those video games, and I really enjoyed The Last of Us 2. I was surprised because there was so much discourse around it, mm-hmm. and my eyes were kind of bleeding around that time because I was like, oh mm-hmm. god, what the hell, like, the most fiery takes from all sides, mm-hmm. and I was just like, dang, I really like this game. Um, I, I feel like it deals with very tough subjects. It doesn't handle them all well, right. but I think it it takes a stab at it, uh, pun intended, and it does a good <laughs> job at just like making a game that I want to get lost in and I want to play for long amounts of time. Mm. Um, also, this part specifically was the most terrifying for me. Uh, okay. <laughs> yep. there, okay. I, I think uh, for the high parts, especially the heights going mm. up tall, was a lot because that is one of my biggest fears heights Mm -hmm. and also going down low was also a nightmare because of the rat king which we'll get to uh later but i'm so excited yeah about the rat king (laughs) (laughs) it's gross uh yeah this is a really cool section because like i i played it uh, just the other night and I was remarking on how short it is. It's probably like the shortest piece of video game that we've played for the show thus far in terms of the last of us part two. Mm-hmm. Most of these sections are like very long and very involved. And, uh, this one was pretty short, but it also like stood out for a lot of different reasons. It mm-hmm. felt like it packed a lot of stuff into a like comparatively small segment. Uh, we get so much, not just about like, like, like not just cool gameplay ideas and cool elements that they have put in this game to like build out the world while also giving you cool things to do. But also you get so much character development in this day specifically, mm-hmm. like from Lev to, to Mel to Owen, like there's a lot going on in this day. I was really surprised that like compared to other days, which have felt longer, but were much more like 
kind of just vibing and hanging out like Ellie day one. Mm. Uh, here it felt just really packed and we were just getting so much time with all these characters and, and learning about them. So it's mm. honestly mm-hmm. might be one of my favorite parts of the game so far. Yep. <laughs> really? It was really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, um, it, it also just, it feels like in spite of like, there's some horrifying shit that we're going to get into. Just generally like, the tone of the day feels lighter to me and mm-hmm. It made me like kind of really appreciate that Abby is like Jerry's daughter, like that character, like that we mm. saw, like you know, the glimpses of like that very, the, the most dad of dads that we referred to him before. Just like seeing <laughs> that side of Abby kind of like come out in her conversations with Lev, and just like you know not being on you know a revenge tour like we were for the majority of Ellie's stuff, or you know that really like seemingly high stakes stuff that we were going through in even Abby's first day. Just like having something that felt just kind of. You know, like not like delving into like all the dark moral ambiguity of everything that happens in this game. Just like no, we are going on like this trip to save Yara, and that is like in terms of like the motivation of what we're doing that day. It's like the least complicated, like the most straightforward. Like, and I think it allows them to let these characters kind of breathe in like something that does not feel like it's a really oppressive atmosphere that has been a lot of like almost the rest of the entire game for sure. Hmm. I think it's interesting and we'll, we'll get more into this at the very end of the episode, but like, I think this, this game almost tries to interrogate the idea of doing good and, and like why you do good things in games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely near the end, like tries to examine like good actions and how they can be perceived by different people. Uh, I feel like it's starting to, to plant the ideas of, you know, the, the eventual conflict between, Abby and Ellie, like direct conflict between Abby and Ellie in terms of they each believe that what they're doing is the right thing, but mm. other people are going to perceive that differently. Um, right. And I think we get a really interesting twist on that at the end, but yeah, to, I, to I start. Oh, sorry. You go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, I think that's also prevalent in um, Abby and the way she talks about scars and stuff. And mm, yes, Lev is yeah. like seraphites. Like that's what we are. Right. Don't, don't call us scars um, because that's not what we, we call ourselves and you kind of like they're presented as antagonists for the game, but you really get to see their mentality and their thought process behind their traditions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I don't agree with them all, um, it, it is like, okay, this is someone's culture and it's a mm-hmm. fucked up world. Uh, I don't know if I can swear on this. Sorry. If you can, you absolutely. can absolutely swear on this. <laughs> okay. um, it, it's a fucked up world. And it, it's so interesting to see these characters just, try to connect on some level because they're so, from so such different backgrounds and stuff but abby is is trying to understand lev and mm-hmm. I, I really like that she doesn't push herself too much and, and doesn't pry it there's there's an interaction where lev is like uh did you hear what they called me and yep. abby's like yeah oh god and then lev yes. is like do you want to ask me about it um and then abby's kind of like well do you want me to talk to you about it and right. lev's like nah and then they keep going um, yeah. and, and that story beats really cool because it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't feel very just like, um, Oh, looking at this from an outside perspective, just asking a bunch of questions. It really lets right. Lev lead that conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No, that, that part was, was really, it, it was small, but it, it was big at the same right. time. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to start out, as as we woke up at the end of last episode uh, and had a sudden guilt trip over uh, leaving Yara and Lev behind, uh, we we come to with Abby 
heading back to the area where we dropped Yara and Lev off. Uh, and after undertaking some fun murder times <laughs> around <laughs> around the trailer, and also seeing that Lev's been doing all right for himself too. Yeah, Lev's yeah. been take, taking some some scars out, seraphites out. <laughs> um, and uh, we we uh, we head in, and Lev, you know, fires a warning shot off at us, but then realizes it's us and lets us in. Um, and we find that Yara's arm is really, really not looking good, like real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we pick Yara up and and start walking back, and we're like, okay, we'll take her to the aquarium, obviously, uh, where there are some. Not only a more defensible place, better place for them to lie low, but uh, we might have some stuff there to help. Um, and when we show up, Owen is immediately like, oh, come on, you brought scars in. And Alice, the dog, is like freaking out, which um, so the way that I played this section was the way that I've been playing the last couple of sessions, which I play on my PS5, but I have it streaming in our like hangout discord that we have. Uh, and Ken mm. was Ken was watching and uh, I was just like, man, this is just reminding me of how much it sucks that they like train these dogs to like bite the heads off scars. This, mm-hmm. this sucks. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm still really, I'm still really mad about yep. that one. But, yeah. Uh, that whole entrance scene is just chaos. Like yep. just people yep. like getting weapons ready, screaming, shouting mm-hmm. at each other. Uh, it, I, I'm surprised that no one got hurt. Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, the Mel comes in and just quiets it down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's the other big surprise is like, oh hey, Mel's here, which uh, you know, considering the things that happened the night before, uh, uh, yeah, uh, there's some things to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't have any time for that because we you know we gotta get Yara fixed up. So Mel checks her out, uh, feels the arm that was hammered, uh, smashed, and find out that uh, Yara has compartment syndrome, which. Uh, I they even explain it in the game, and I'm super not good. Like I, I'm in media, I'm not a doctor. But <laughs> um, to to my understanding, is when the bone becomes so smashed that like the it affects the tissue and the blood flow and stuff like that. Mm. Um, the oh long story short is that like yeah. the arm has to come off. Like that's that's the solution. There is there is no fixing it otherwise, or at least. As, as far as the tools that they have available to them. Uh, mm-hmm. And, well, that that sucks. Lev is not cool with that. Uh, Lev points out that Yara is a soldier, uh, and it, it would be helpful to have use of both arms in that profession, but um, the the arm does need to come off or else it will like become gangrenous and then create a whole host of issues. So we're going to have to book it to the hospital to get the tools to, to take care of that. Uh, but the hospital is like a day's trip and it's longer than we're going to have. So Lev proposes using the sky bridges, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which are a really cool thing that we're just now getting introduced to and also kind of explain how the scars sneak around everywhere. And like at the beginning of Abby's day one, like got behind enemy lines and all that kind of stuff. Um here we suddenly have an idea of like why the Seraphites can just move all around Seattle and not worry about the flooding and stuff like that too much. Um, as, as we set off, we get one quick talk with Owen where, where Owen starts to like guilt us a little bit. He's like, why are you doing this? What are you doing? Um, and then <laughs> we, we bring up uh, Mel 
and uh he says i don't think she knows about last night and abby is like i don't care about last night and there's <laughs> some awkwardness and then abby uh takes off with love uh I know I know last week we we dumped pretty hard on Owen and mm. you know f- for righteous reasons I believe um, of course mm. and I'm going to say by the end of this episode I still feel pretty much the same about Owen mm. but for a moment here I was like oh maybe he is like you know maybe he has had a change of heart and he's trying to like fix this stuff around um, that's how he gets you. That's how yeah. he gets you. I don't know. I think Abby has a line later, like, you need to get your priorities straight. Right. And that's absolutely true. Owen's all over the place. There's infected outside. And it seems like he doesn't know what he wants. Right. When it's, it's he vitally needs to. Yeah. And, not, like, you know, not, not to get into, like, day three stuff, but, like, yeah, they're, they're like, like Funk said, there's a conversation that happens that I don't know. Like, I mean, I feel for everyone involved because, like, it is a complicated situation with a lot, like, something that's like, and there's also, like, a lot of stuff happening around them, so there's not even a lot of time to, like, sit with that and interrogate it. But Owen kind of seems like a person that thinks that he can have his cake and eat it too. And yeah, that seems to be his MO until his dying breath. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, complicated feelings on Owen still. I think a lot of it for Owen, for me, it just seems like it, it, it was what you were saying last week, Ken, that he has this ideal of what he wants right. and he will just snatch up anything in front of him that can get him that and provide that like feeling for him. And so in that way, like, I feel like fleeting might not be like, like maybe finicky or, or like fickle is, is a better word mm. for it. But like the idea that, he's attached to a concept of happiness more than he is to a like happiness from a certain person or happiness from a specific situation. He just wants happiness from the ideal that, that Mm. he has in his mind of like Mm. this, you know, and obviously like we can tell as, as he quotes later in this episode um, that he still carries a lot of that firefly mentality with him of like, you know, finding, finding your light, seeking light and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, it seems mm-hmm. like, seems like he has maybe been unhappy for a very long time and is now just longing for any way to get back to the time when he was happy. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> on that note, we're off to, uh, to go find medical supplies. Uh, and we start working through a bunch of buildings and such to head towards the tall buildings that will get us up to, the the sky bridge and all that um and yeah I, i'm glad you, you noted this in here uh ken i did want to take a little bit to talk about the abby lev dynamic because as much as i like the ellie dina dynamic that we had previously and um it, i thought it worked for what that was and for for that specific side of things having this sort of dynamic where you have kind of the grumpy older person or maybe right. not grumpy but definitely like older More jaded. yeah yeah, sure. yeah world weary let's say mm-hmm. um and and lev who's younger and naive and he doesn't always like get references that abby makes like the punk rock thing and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. um, that part was so funny that was pretty punk rock yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like I like this pair a lot. I I think a lot of the environmental dialogue and stuff uh, in this section just works so well, and was reminding me of the parts that I liked about the Last of Us Part One a lot too. Uh, mm-hmm. Funky, did did you like this pair a lot? I did. I really enjoyed it, and it made me okay. Well, at the start of the game, I hated Abby. I got I got to mm, say that. Okay. Uh, was not a fan of Abby just because I was like, what the fuck did you just do? Mm. <laughs> and, it's valid. Uh, and then it like threw me into her shoes and from day one to day two, I feel like I already developed a lot of sympathy for her um, right. and, and just her situation because I was completely thinking of it from Ellie, Ellie's perspective and mm. this game does a good job at making you see the full side of things. Um, right. And this specific pair really made me feel for both of them and, and just be like, damn, I... I wish they weren't caught up in this cycle of revenge right. and mis- miscommunication and just carnage that they have to go through to survive. Yeah. Um, very upsetting. Yeah. It definitely is. Like, that was kind of like what I have been thinking through, like, entirety of Abby's stuff. It's like, I know that where this is leading. It's leading back to that moment in the theater, and I just wish that there was something that could, like, prevent that moment from, like, mm-hmm. happening and everybody being led to that situation. Um yeah, I do like 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 I said Eric. Like it, the Abby and Lev dynamic does feel like it's not even necessarily like early Joel and Ellie because I feel like they are already meeting them like more uh, or like less with like less animosity towards each other than, than Joel and Ellie had at the like the moment they met. It, despite the fact that they are like from these like ostensibly from these uh, two different competing factions and that they they should be like sworn enemies and. They have to do a lot of uh, kind of like unlearning the things that they have been told about each other uh, throughout this whole this whole day, and mm-hmm. so I do kind of like watching that culture clash and just like seeing these and like it manifests in like funny ways like you know like uh, Lev doesn't know what cool means and there's a point later where he'll try to be saying it himself <laughs> and he'll say cold and it's just like you're you're almost there you're almost there kiddo <laughs> um, yeah but. You know, there are, like, moments where, uh, like, we, we find, like, a wolf's body later, and mm-hmm. Lev's yeah. like, do you not know him? And then Abby's like, how many of us do you think there are? How could we possibly know, all know each other? Do you know every scar? And then he's like, Seraphites. And, you know, I just, it, it's surprising, like, how much of a connection these two already seem to have, and, like, what is, both in terms of, like, game time and also just, like, actual, like, real time, like, only, like, a day together, but, like, they are able to, like, really solidify, like, a really believable bond between the two that i really appreciate yeah and it's in those small moments those Mm -hmm. small like conversations that happen between combat that you get to learn a lot about the different cultures interacting and Mm -hmm. also just the backstory of lev who is a mysterious character and you don't really know too much about but by the end of the day you seem to really know lev Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um it's interesting because i i felt like even though these characters have not known each other for a very long time. I think they have just a lot in common in, in where they are in their lives right now. Mm-hmm. Both of them are kind of on the run and dealing with issues uh, surrounding like their, their culture, like their individual cultures um, coming to terms with their, their internal struggles and the way that mm-hmm. they want to deal with things. You know, Abby is trying to get Owen's name cleared and, uh, and help out Lev and Yara and Lev obviously is trying to escape from uh, Seraphites who, whose teachings don't align with what Lev believes 
what the teachings are, um, which mm-hmm. is actually, I think, one of the really, I, maybe we can wait to, to get to that in a little bit because we're, that's jumping ahead a little bit. But I found that like the parts where Lev is talking about what the teachings of the Seraphites say versus how the Seraphites right. enact those teachings was really cool. And it was like a really interesting way of looking at that conflict versus it just being like, oh, I, I did something and it upset them and now they're chasing me. Like that's that's one thing, but it like takes an added layer when you see that Lev still fully believes in a lot of the teachings mm-hmm. of this culture and just believes that they're being enacted wrong and for the wrong reasons. Um, mm-hmm. It's different readings. Yeah, no, definitely. It's cool. And and I don't want to jump too, too far ahead, but yeah, it, I think that culminates at the end of Lev's uh, arc as well. Um, w- like trying to talk things out mm-hmm. still right. like I don't know it, it seems too far gone and everyone else seems to know that but Lev right. still is very optimistic and thinks that it, it has a very positive lens of the Seraphites right mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah so um, a- as we move through all these buildings we get a ton of different uh, expository dialogues where they talk with each other like we said they talk about the scars and Seraphites thing they talk about um, being on the run, uh, Lev and Yara have apparently been on the run for about two days. Uh, at first, all we really get is that Lev tells us that he shaved his head, and that's why they're on the run. He says they're they're not allowed, uh, and that's that's about all we get there. Um, but as we get up to the actual level where the, oh, we should probably mention this here as well, because uh, Ken had me do this like right away in the section. If you peer over any like tall part uh, of any area in this game as as Abby, like you start to have vertigo and stuff like that. And that, um, you know, that was a little thing that was kind of brought up in previous moments, uh, like the flashback scene we had in day one. But it's cool to see that reflected here and, and all that and have like Abby actually panicking a little bit when you get near edges and stuff like that. Yep. It was um especially for a character that is so much like running gun, like beat the shit out of, mm-hmm. uh, out of the enemies and stuff like that. Like seeing that fear and then also seeing it reflected in playing and how the camera does the, the Hitchcock zoom out and stuff like that. It's very, it's very interesting. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, it but, is. And it's, it's cool to see like Lev guiding her through that mm-hmm. as yeah. well, especially like, when she has to conquer that fear and walk over that steel bar, like mm-hmm. the ones that are very high up, that I didn't even realize that the vertigo thing was in the game because I was just stressed looking yeah. around. Like, <laughs> my, when we get to the the later parts of the sky bridge, like I, I was telling Ken, like my palms were sweating playing mm-hmm. that section. Like I, I'm I'm not great about heights either. Like I can do them, but I'm not fond. Uh, I think. I think most people are not actively fond of heights. You know, there's there's a difference between like being high up and then being high up and also in a place that feels precarious and all that. Mm. Um, like I can be in a tall building, a tall tower, and feel fine uh, if I'm just like looking at a window or whatever. But if I, I went on one of those where you like go up to the top of the thing and then it has a glass floor where you can step out and look down and all that. And that freaked me right the heck out. (laughs) You got to come to the CN Tower in Toronto. It's Uh, just that. And it's like uh, spinning around. Oh, no. There's a restaurant. Yeah. Oh, Hmm. see, I might do that because that sounds fun. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. If 
I can eat food and spin, then maybe <laughs> that's, that's the <laughs> trick to it. <laughs> um, mm. But the big one we have is when we, we finally encounter some, some Seraphites and they call Lev by a different name. And they're they're like yelling it out and stuff as we're fighting all of them. And and as we mentioned before, there's the the segment where, um, they, oh, I'm trying to find the the quote here. There it is. Um, Lev brings up is like, hey, did you uh, did you hear them call me that? And Abby was just like, yeah. And do you want do you want to ask me about it? Do you want me to ask him ask you about it? No. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And that's it. And I'm like, when Ken and I were on the call, we were both like, damn, that's, that's such a little thing, but it's also like, it speaks volumes to Abby. I think mm-hmm. that especially as Abby has been prying at this point, you know, asking about like, why are you running away? What are you up to? Like, what's the deal with this stuff? But Abby very clearly can sense that this is not something that love wants to talk about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such like a little kindness that goes a long way to just be like, cool, whatever. It's, yep. you know, no problem. And yeah, I think it speaks volumes to Abby as a character because like we have not had much Abby character exposition up to this point. Um, other than, you know, like getting some of her past and stuff like that. But as far as who she is as a person, like the big 10 poles that we can drop down and say like, okay, Abby is, you know, determined. Abby is strong. Abby, uh, has some relationship issues, let's say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but now we get like this other aspect of like, oh, Abby's kind, and that's nice. Mm. And also like, I, I've, yes, and I, I feel like that also like really strengthens the bond between them. Like, in in Lev's case, that probably makes Lev a lot more comfortable with Abby because he now knows that Abby is not going to pry where uh, he doesn't want her to yet. So mm-hmm. it's just. Is a nice, nice moment. <laughs> a very nice moment, and yeah. I think it also speaks a bit to Lev, Lev's resilience, um, mm-hmm. and how he. It seems like he just brush, brushes off all of those comments, but mm-hmm. is not worried about the comments, but worried about Abby thinking about the comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, just mm-hmm. in that short interaction, it's like, uh, this is awkward now that Abby knows this information right. about me, um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. He doesn't seem affected by the just vulgarity and the I, I don't very aggressive tone that these the people that were his family are mm-hmm. just throwing at him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think there's um that I think there is there are criticisms to be brought up about the way that this particular plot point is handled in the next day, which we will get to when we get to it. But I do think like in terms of like understanding the respect it takes for characters to just like, you know, be like, do you want do you want to talk about this or not? And then when they say no, and they just back off. I think from that perspective, I'm I really appreciate what they did here. Um, there, like I said, there is some stuff in day three that has, I, I think, good intentions, but I think in sort of like a lens of like how it's presented when Lev is not in the room. Um, I think that's something that we can talk about next week. But yeah, this moment was like very much like a, a very good moment for me in terms of like. Uh, mm-hmm. Make, making me appreciate Abby and you know in a game like you know is kind of like starting from zero with her like trying to like in sort of uh, make you like her when you have been given yeah. a very specific reason not to uh, definitely starting yeah. at negative too because like that's well, a, yeah 
prime character. <laughs> That's valid. valid. Yeah. yeah, like we literally before we jumped to, to playing Abby, like Abby has literally just shot a main character and killed him. And that's yeah. after already killing another main character. <laughs> like that's it, it. It's working up from a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get another additional bit of character exposition on Lev when we go up and find an altar for, uh, for the prophet of the, do we find, is there like an official name for the religion of the Seraphites? Uh, I, I don't um, think they actually had a name for it. Um, is it just like their, their teachings and stuff like that? Yeah. Let me, let's, let's find out. Seraphitic. So just seraphic. I don't know. Uh, I thought it, it was just a cult named that. Yeah. I don't think that they yeah. have like a name for like, they their, have like a name like for the what religion they, they practice yeah. or whatever. Okay. Yeah, they, just, they actually, apparently I don't have a name for, who the prophet was like she just called the prophet every time that she's referenced now that i'm looking at the uh the last was wiki hmm. strange um i'm interested to know more about that but uh yeah we we get some a quick look as, as lev prays in altar about the prophet uh and and abby brings up like wonder if the prophet knew what she was starting um with all that stuff. And we've had like bits and pieces about what happened, you know, the boiled down version is that she was a leader for a, for this group, for this, um, let's, let's say faction and kind of became a martyr through her own actions and through the actions of Isaac, uh, the leader of the wolves. And, uh, after that happened, uh, as Lev starts to teach us, uh, there is a lot of misinterpretations, let's say of the, mm. the teachings uh, Lev brings up that a lot of the, the writings and stuff don't explicitly talk about violence and especially don't do the things like the hangings and mm. the, what did they call it? Like break her wings or whatever, like the yeah, clipper wings um, or something like that. Yeah. The, the hobbling that they do. And like, it's, you know, Lev brings up that a lot of that came about after the prophet died, which mm-hmm. is lines up with things. Let's just say uh, is is mm-hmm. very realistic, right. <laughs> um, and is is how a lot of like cults have have been formed and things like that. So, um, it and does give us more con- like- Yeah, it, it gives us a lot of context in that respect. Of like, there are people who follow this this devout belief and and have a lot to benefit from it like lev gives us that whole speech about how fear can be good and fear reminds us uh yeah. that, that we are alive and like I, that that one hit me a lot yeah. where lev is talking about like hey you know it's you know you're you're shaking you're you can feel all your nerves you don't feel pain as much um all of that is like you are alive and you are so acutely aware of everything that your body is doing that you're in overdrive and you can use that to your advantage. And it was like such a cool thing to say, like, and, and was like a cool teaching thing. And, and then love is like, yeah, that came from the Seraphites. Like that's, that's the sort of stuff I've been talking about, not the violence or anything. And it's Mm -hmm. a really interesting twist after seeing so many and I mean firsthand experiencing so many of the horrors that the Seraphites are, are committing. Right. Yeah. 
It's uh, very true. I it's a perspective swap that I wasn't expecting at all. Um, mm-hmm. But they this game pulls those off very swiftly, like with right. a lot of different turns. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sometimes that doesn't even have to come in the form of switching characters that you're playing as. You can just have someone <laughs> be there that is there to, you know, give you that that other perspective mm-hmm. and, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this game does like takes advantage of that in a lot of cases, like you know, by pairing you with certain characters or putting you in the right situations to be paired with certain characters that it just gives you a broader worldview of what's happening. And it's also cool that we're like, I think this is maybe a subject we haven't touched on enough yet, but the idea that whereas the last of us part one was like a road trip and very much about journeying across America and seeing all these different places and how they were all impacted by the, the infection and the breakout and all that. But here we are just getting Seattle as a microcosm, mm-hmm. like how this city has been affected, how conflict over the years has boiled over into the situation that we're walking into. And I think it's a really cool like twist on that idea. Like we're no longer just going from different place to place and seeing all these different things, but like really examining how one city can embroil itself in so much conflict over these things. And, and mm-hmm. also like how humans adapt and live um which is something like we saw in jackson and billstown and stuff like that but seeing how it changes over time and getting that microcosm of one city and how these little things can start to clash with each other and all that is really cool Mm. Um, do y'all i'm curious because y'all have been playing through this again um do you think that microcosm magnifying lens into one city is more effective for telling the kind of stories that last of us wants to tell that's a good question. Um, mm. I, I personally like it more, but that's because I like, um, I like stories with constraints more than I like stories <laughs> that are like sweeping and broad. Hey, maybe that's why I don't like Red Dead Redemption too. But um, <laughs> I like, I, I, and the parts of Red Dead that I do like are, are the parts that are like narrowed in and focused in and stuff like that. But um, I, I've always found that like examining like place and how place can evolve over time and how place can, can change and, and be different things to different people. And like all these people call Seattle their home, but what that home is means something different to each one of them, how they Mm -hmm. live in it means something different to each one of them and seeing how that evolves and how those viewpoints and beliefs can clash and cause friction and eventually conflict between different groups as they all try to vie for, what are essentially ruins (laughs) like that's the other thing is like one major sweeping theme of the last of us is that like everybody's trying to survive but they're also like just trying to compete for space to exist in whatever still exists here Mm. and that's why i think it, it stands out so much when we see efforts like jackson and seattle where people are trying to build society again and build that back up and then seeing what kind of issues they still fall back into. Like Jackson having that small town conservative, narrow minded viewpoint and just having that stuff start to propagate naturally thanks to the way that it's evolved and what they've allowed and what they haven't allowed. And same thing goes with Seattle where it's a massive city. And so you have like these big structures, but in return for having that super stadium town, that also means that you need a force that can defend it from other things, which quickly militarizes that society and, and mm-hmm. makes it into something that looks more like a 
guerrilla faction and less like you know just a, a culture like a I, farmer and culture a haven for people as well it, yeah it's it's odd to see people living and breathing in that like yeah super military environment um and and yeah i, I didn't even really think about that before but what you're saying about the different factions and how it's just their their mentalities and philosophies of how a culture should be and what that should be mm-hmm. after everything's destroyed is mm-hmm. very fascinating. And I think the ways in which it relates to the old world is interesting too, because that's, that's another part that we've gotten like bits and pieces of. And that Abby also asks love about is like, Oh, I thought you don't use old world stuff and all that. And love's like, Oh no, there's some old world stuff that like soldiers are allowed to use and all that. But the idea of seeing like, sin in ancient technology and almost like, you know, the sins, the quote unquote sins of the fathers, like carrying down, but through objects rather than through direct, you know, lineage and all that. And, but creating a religion around that, creating I like beliefs around that, that like, Oh no, we can't use those. Those are bad. That's from the world that caused all this. So we can't use that. We have to use other things. And why is that being done? Could it be done for a nefarious purpose rather than like an actual religious belief? Mm. Who knows? (laughs) So, yeah, it's cool. I I think my like one major takeaway, I think something that I think Joel and Ellie had the advantage of in part one was that if they were not down with something in any one place that they were at, they had the, they, they, they were able to leave. They were like, what they what they were trying to do was on the other side yeah. of the country. They they keep going, and so what I think yeah. is interesting to me about like it all being in one place is that you have like these established cultures that these two characters like specifically Abby, Abby and Lev exist within. They have for a long time like kind of been very devout in like being part of the WLF or the Seraphites, and so like what does it mean for someone to like make the hard decision to just like make that hard break and leave and what is it that will finally like push somebody to the point where they're like oh this is not this is not the place for me this is not where i belong these are not my people who like and and who are you know the people that i should be able to turn to that i know i can trust that i know will be there for me and won't like you know heel turn if the second that i don't fall in line um so i think from that perspective i think having it uh exist in one space that has very definitive cultures and seemingly rigid ideals and like what it means to you know step away from that i think is what really sticks to me mm-hmm. sticks out to me about seattle and those two char- characters in their place in it mm-hmm. yeah and like concepts of home as well mm-hmm. is something that i've been thinking about as this goes on i know that we will eventually have like really big things to stick to that in terms of like concepts of home and you know where you make your home and all that but that's something i've been thinking about in terms of abby and that you know, the, all these characters, a lot of their struggles and their conflicts are built up by them stubbornly, you know, either trying to create and maintain a home here or flee to a new one. And everyone kind of has their own internalized belief about what home means to them. And that can often clash with other people's internalized beliefs of what home means to them. And it, it becomes, I mean, even with Ellie, we saw this cause I think that an, a thing that we could have talked about a little bit more with Ellie is the idea that is she running off to Seattle just for revenge or does it also help that that means she doesn't have to be home anymore? She doesn't have to be Mm. in that town in Jackson near that house, near that grave, near where everything bad happened and everything's going to remind her of Joel. Like, Mm. is it, 
is it honestly like better for her to have time away from that place? Mm. Uh, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, like that, that is something that we could talk about before, but I think it's going to be like at the forefront of what we're going to talk about fairly soon. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, Funky, did you have any thoughts on it? You, you popped the question and Ken and I kind of ran with it, but, but what do you think about like Seattle as a place? Um, yeah, I thought it was very interesting as a setup. Um, and I really loved the, specifically the verticality of it. Um, Mm -hmm. because that felt like a good device to separate the different factions. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was really interesting to see them use a kind of, I guess not really retcon because it's, it's all in the story, but like build up the, the backstory of the Seraphites by by having these structures and being like this is where they walk through this is how they navigate and don't have to deal with infected all the time like everyone else um yeah i i I enjoyed it and i loved the 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 more intimate moments the closer moments between levin abbey that that got to happen here but yeah i i I just genuinely like this game way more than i liked the last of us Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of factors for that, but I think this story is, yeah, way more concise, and it knows what it's trying to hit, the story beats it's trying to hit, and it knows... We 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 did... In their minds, they did something that is vastly different, and this is... This is them trying something, yeah, more more condensed and, and set in a, in a plot of land that is used by a lot of different people and used in different ways, and it really guides you through those different ways. Um, mm. By also, yeah, having just these very strong emotional moments where it, the game basically tells you you should hate this person or these people hate each other, mm. uh, but then actually letting you play through those moments and being like, well, why do they actually hate each other? And mm-hmm. why are they doing these things? Right. Um, because, yeah, it, it makes me think about community and how... I just wish these people could work together. Like Kenneth, mm. you were talking earlier about the the moment that starts it all and us like working back back to that moment in the theater. Right. Um, and yeah, it, the whole time I'm like, oh, but these people, I'm playing as them, and I know that they would get along if they met right. under different circumstances. Yeah. So it 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 sucks to see all of these people pit against each other because, I guess the world, the old world, has crumbled, and this is how people pick up the remnants of that. Mm. There are some remnants still around, though, like big old sky bridges, <laughs> mm-hmm. big old cranes uh, connecting the the giant buildings together, which is really cool as a concept. But I really think the Seraphites could spend a little time getting some more lumber and stuff up there because <laughs> parts of it seem designed to scare people <laughs> and be yeah. perilous and stuff. And I'm like really they couldn't just put some handrails on here or something like <laughs> they got they got a lot that they're doing is that just like too low on the checklist like no this section will only have one very rickety wooden bridge wooden plank between it because we got nothing else to do it's just going to be here mm-hmm. um and you're trying to like catch your balance as abby on it mm-hmm. while lev is speed running it and it's like so far ahead yeah yeah, Love is like, funny. we call this the bridge skip. Uh, see, what we do here is we clip through the bars. And, <laughs> and then shout parkour. <laughs> yes. Um, and Lev, during during this whole Skybridge section, when we get up there and start crossing over uh, to get to the hospital, 
uh, is fantastic. Uh, like my standout moment was Lev as we're like getting across this extremely perilous uh, high up in the air gap. And Lev's just like, Hey, what's up with you and Owen? I heard y'all talking <laughs> earlier. And it was like, it was the biggest moment where like at the same time as Abby, I was going like, shut up Lev. <laughs> like, this yeah. is not, but it's not the time. It's not yeah. at all. But it's also like fantastic because that's often like if you've ever tried to calm someone down who's like freaking out about heights or something that's like one of the things that's really easy to do is just talk to them about something completely different and like just completely move their brain power to something else so they're not thinking about like how high up in the air they are or anything um Ah. so it was like i was like oh maybe lev's trying to to be nice but also lev's like having a little bit of fun mm. <laughs> a little bit of mischief um yeah, yeah. Oh. Also, like it was very cute just because like throughout this this whole section we got we get a sense that he does not necessarily stand, understand the same social cues that other people do mm-hmm. um but it, it he at least understands awkwardness and he understands when something between two people that are not even like speaking to him is like maybe a taboo subject, but it would be something that would get a rise out of her and make her think of something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Lev, Lev in this whole section is fantastic. The way that they just like, you know, Abby is freaking out and we're like going through panic stages and even having moments where we're having like balance and Levy, uh, uh Levy, <laughs> Abby <laughs> is freaking out and like unable to move and stuff. And Lev is just like, okay, come on. Watch one more. The, the part where, Lev is like, oh, don't, don't celebrate yet. Don't get yep. excited yet. Uh, <laughs> we we come to another one. It's oh, fantastic. Uh, and we do eventually tumble, uh, story into tumble, yeah, yep. into a pool. Shout thank out God to that for pool. pools. Yeah. <laughs> well, and glass apparently. Like I, mm, that was a little bit of suspension of disbelief in terms of them not coming out of that very harmed, like. I would have assumed there'd be some lingering damage or like muscle contusions and stuff like that, but they come out of it pretty okay. And I was like, all right, you know, we'll let this slide. I guess everybody else gets super messed up in this game, but Abby and Lev get a free pass. Thanks to the pool and the glass sheet that they land on before the pool. Um, (laughs) They do kind of walk it off. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was looking at that and I was like, okay, I don't think if I did that in real life, I'd be just like up and walking <laughs> like mm-hmm. two minutes afterwards. Onto the next conversation. Yeah. Um But we we work our way through this hotel now. So now we have been taken off the path and we have to kind of navigate our way through the hotel and get to where we need to go. Um we do get another little side environmental dialogue about uh belief in God and faith. Uh, and Lev asking why Abby came back for them. Uh, and Abby just says it's guilt, uh, just needed to, uh, lighten the load. And that kind of gives you a little sense of where Abby's at these days, headspace wise. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that she still feels so much guilt, like even after Jackson and maybe, you know, that's a sign of some internal, uh, cogs turning, in terms of like what will actually make you feel better about right. the grief that you're feeling and all that. But put a pin in that as we say on this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and and we we start to equip Lev out because we give Lev a flashlight first of all, which Lev is like Lev practically blinds himself with it mm. when we first hand it to him. It's great. Uh, but then we get to an area with spores, and we're like, "Oh, Lev uh, does not have a mask. We need to find a mask." And so we deal with a bunch of random infected uh, while we while we search for a mask, and we also deal with the the most annoying thing in this game that jump scared me about five times, and I was so mad at it that by by the end I was choosing not to use ammo and instead beating these stalkers to death with my <laughs> fists because the ones that like pop out of the walls and stuff in this section and in the next like few infected areas that we go through holy crap i hate it it's the worst it's terrible it's yeah oh. <laughs> i'm i'm glad that you said jump scares because I, I was streaming this game and when i got to this part it was it was a lot of screaming yeah um, just be yeah. like I, I feel like they really play into horror here yeah, um, definitely. And later on, which we'll talk about, but it was uh, it was a lot. And I, I remember you you find a mask and it's like busted. No, yeah. and then you have to find another one. That was kind of just demoralizing. But mm-hmm. yeah, very inconsiderate right? of the guy to oh. fuck up his own mask in the process of doing what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. What uh-huh. Abby is like, oh come on, you know, why would you shoot through the mask? That's fucked up. <laughs> yes. Could have used that, you jerk. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we get the mask for, for Lev and, and get it all situated on his head. That was very sweet, like tightening the straps and stuff for mm-hmm. him and getting it all set. Also made me think about how loose Abby's mask looked when she slid it back down. I was like, could have tightened the straps a little <laughs> bit more on that one, Abby, you know? It's, <laughs> Oh, but um, we keep moving through the area and uh, taking out more stalkers. Lev backs us up at one point, knifes it, uh, knifes a stalker in the back for us in a very Last of Us Part One style of when when Ellie would like help mm-hmm. Joel out in situations. Now Lev is helping Avi out. It's very nice. Mm. We get like a super like this. This flamethrower seems more legit than the one we had in Part One. Mm-hmm. Like again, carrying forward the idea that Avi plays a lot like Joel. Uh, and yep. has a lot of like Joel aspects to her kit. She gets the flamethrower, but this flamethrower is like super nice and it's like sleek and has like a good tank on it and all that. It doesn't look like somebody just, I don't know, turned a, like a pesticide sprayer into, <laughs> into a flamethrower. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's rad. Uh, and we get to make good use of it later. In this yeah. section, I mostly just kind of like fled through the area and tried to mm. avoid fighting things uh, and yep. just tried to like get to the bottom while grabbing resources. But we will have use for destroying infected with the flamethrower in a bit. <laughs> um, and we even have a little area with w- one of the classic Last of Us Part 1 moments where uh, you have to sneak through an area with clickers and a bloater and you can make it out by like sneaking through all of it, which is a very, again, felt very classic last of us part one. Uh, yeah, I tried sneaking and then they heard me and then I ran and died a couple of times, mm. but it's, it's fun. Those, those parts are very, uh, stressful for me. Um, mm. and I find this game, I handled resources better, but mm-hmm. it, it is like a thing where I don't want to use all, all my weapons on these guys. Like mm. I, I kind of just want to sneak past because they also look very twisted. 
yeah. not very fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it was. I think my the first time I played through it, it did not occur to me to like try and sneak all the way through, even with the bloater there. But then like, every subsequent time, I was like, oh, if I can go this way and not get caught by one of the stalkers that jumps out of the wall, then maybe I can make it. And then like you get that kind of like really tense moment of like opening up uh, the elevator. I think that, that yes. Yeah, and then like slamming it shut just as the bloaters come in to like try and get you. Good shit. Mm-hmm. So we make Absolutely. it through, and we get to see the path that we would have taken had we not fallen off the uh, crane. Oh, <laughs> mm. it's like so nice and well laid it's to the point that I'm like, really, the wolves have never noticed this over here. <laughs> that there's like this really nice path that leads over. I mean, I guess it's kind of well hidden, but it's not really well hidden. Uh, mm. I don't know, but um, we we do get to talk to Lev again. Uh, Abby asks if Lev regrets shaving his head and he's basically like, uh, we're not supposed to have regrets, but, uh, Lev does wish that he just run away and not involved Yara and, and all of that in this, uh, even brings up like, uh, wanting to still take care of their mother and all that. Um, something that they're like supposed to do is, is take care of their mom and all that. So it's, it's interesting, like, the idea that Lev, you know, rebelled in a way, but also uh, still had people involved in it and still had the family involved in it. Uh, and that conflict, that friction between wanting to stay in Seattle and live their culture and also, like, you know, not wanting to run away like maybe someone else in that, in that pair does. It's going to be yeah. interesting to see get carried out later on mm-hmm. um but we we get into the outskirts of the hospital and we head in on foot we have lev stay put uh so we can meet up with him because obviously walking into the hospital with a seraphite would not look great <laughs> um mm-hmm. so we we go in and you know pretend like oh hey you know we're here on isaac's orders we're doing stuff for isaac don't worry about it um and they're like, wait, we're, we're sending stuff to Isaac. Why don't we give you a lift back? And, and Abby's like, oh, no, different thing. Don't worry about it. Where's Nora at? Um, and it is, like, really interesting, uh, as, as Ken notes here in the notes, and as I was talking about as we were streaming and stuff, that this is an area that we had previously, like, experienced as sneaking through it and combating through it so and killing hostile. everyone here. So no. hostile. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and now we see it as like a normal place, like just where people are hanging out and talking and stuff. And I'm walking through there. I'm like, okay, uh, you all die in about roughly an hour. So mm-hmm. best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> and you can going- walk up and pet the dog and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the, this section was very uh, jarring to just walk through. I was like, are they going to know something's up? Because I, mm-hmm. I, I know this area is something hostile and something I have to sneak mm-hmm. through. Right. So, uh, it was, it was very cool to I, I at least see her get through the gate without a problem. Um, yeah. and just, yeah, like talk to people and be like, Hey, what's up, Chuck? How's it going? Yeah. It's like a whole, like, it, I mean, it just feels like kind of reminiscent to when we were in the stadium earlier, just like talking to people as we passed by. Even it was like mm. almost there was like an almost disorienting thing for me because like the camera angle of the same, like I we just been here as Ellie, but the camera angle is different when you're at Abby. It's like over the shoulder, like in very much like the walk and talk kind of way that mm-hmm. Naughty Dog tends to do in those kind of like 
non-hostile areas, but, like, you know, when it was Ellie, like, you know, the camera was spread out, like, it was a combat arena, and just, like, you know, putting us where we were before, but just, like, you put the camera, like, closer to the people that you're talking to now, so just, like, it feels more intimate, and it just feels different in a way that was surprisingly disorienting to me, but was, uh, like, just spoke to how differently it felt to be here a second time. Mm-hmm. We also get to see the Vita Queen herself. <laughs> Oh, if only your armor were made of Vitas, you, you would have, you would have survived. Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, the Vita, the most indestructible. Um, <laughs> awesome handheld. Yep. Yeah. Oh no. So the the listeners at home know, but for you, Funke, uh, when I played that section with the the Vita Queen herself. Uh, I was curious because so many things in this game with glass are breakable. Uh, I was wondering if I could break the Vita and I undertook (laughs) a series of experiments to try and destroy the Vita in some way. Uh, And due to unfortunate circumstances beyond my control, let's say, uh, you know, a person happened to be near the Vita as I was carrying out these experiments. So we learned that, Human bodies are very, you know, malleable, let's say, but the Vita is indestructible. <laughs> the, the Vita <laughs> took no damage. And I mean, we tried everything. <laughs> I, I'm so happy to hear that. While Sony may not care about it, it's still indestructible. Yep. Sony doesn't it's, care it about people, but does care about the Vita. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've does. seen two in this game. So that's about as many PlayStation 3s as we've seen. Yeah, that's true. Oh, wow, yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention that Abby is not a gamer. Abby is not a mm. verified gamer. It's un- unfortunate. Yep. Yeah. So, wait, how many game consoles are there? Is it possible that the the Vita is the most played console in that time? <laughs> what are what are the MPD stats for the <laughs> post-apocalypse? <laughs> we got to get this. I mean, it's the only it's the only system we've seen running so far. Like, Ellie had her PS3, True. but that thing was not on. We don't know if it worked. We can't check. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you think there's, like... I mean, as someone who owns a GameCube and, and likes to own the actual GameCube games and not own them through other, you know, ways and means, uh, I have experienced issues with scarcity and markup and things like that. Uh, do you think that exists in the post-apocalypse? Do you think like a copy <laughs> of a PlayStation 3 game like trades pretty high in the barter economy? Hmm. I imagine it probably would. Yeah. It's got to be rare. <laughs> True, but I feel like it's also they don't like very few people would want that because they would they would have to have a PS3, right? And, oh, but and electricity two. and a TV and stuff like that. Yeah. The HDMI cord. Maybe you could trade that for like one of the bolts for the gun stuff like (laughs) (laughs) that would cool that'd be cool to see that scene i mean that probably it probably makes handhelds like you know a vita or a game boy or something like that way more convenient because you don't need like an entire setup for that you can just charge that if you find a generator or whatever Mm. so like now now I'm picturing someone like camping out next to a generator, like holding off the infected so they can charge up their <laughs> Game Boy Advance so they can go play Boktai. <laughs> yeah, wait, mobile gamers and, and handheld gamers won in the apocalypse. They did, I guess yeah. so. The handhelds really, won. They're thinking ahead. They're thinking of like, what are like all the things that I got to worry about in the event of the apocalypse? 
<laughs> That's true. You find like the PlayStation store server somewhere and you're it's the jackpot. <laughs> Quick get the hard drives. We gotta download all the games. <laughs> um anyways, we uh, as we are trying to get supplies from the Vita Queen, uh some wolves walk in with handcuffs and guns drawn. Uh because Abby is maybe not good at telling lies, let's say. <laughs> Uh, yep. She named names, and that was the first big mistake, was being like, oh, yeah, I'm on a mission from Isaac. So all they had to do was go radio Isaac, who has been actively looking for Abby. <laughs> and yeah. then it was like, oh, hey, oh, no, this fell apart. So now we're handcuffed to an elevator because <laughs> that worked out great. Um, yeah, I, I love how they were also like, well, these supplies are going to Isaac. Right. So why did he send you? She's like, oh, it's just for a different thing. Don't worry about that. See you later. Yeah. That was probably the point where she knew she was fucked. Because like, she was like, oh, I just ran right into that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like Ken, I know we, we talk a lot about people saying like, oh, if I was someone, I would simply do this. But yeah, I got to <laughs> say, like, if Abby was just even a slightly better liar, uh, this would have gone a whole lot smoother. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Anyways, Nora finds us, uh, and and lets us loose. Uh, most of the equipment that we need that we tell her is for Owen, and we say Owen has compartment mm. syndrome, which uh, better lie. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe not as also not a forward thinking lie, but considering that like the person we are telling this to is that's not going to be a conflict at any point in the future. Uh, that's, you know, like all loose ends get tied up there. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's at least a somewhat better lie than it, go do this thing that would cause you to verify it by calling the person that is actively looking for me and trying to get me back. Yeah. That's great. Great job, Abby. Uh, <laughs> so the only way we're going to get the supplies that we need uh, is going to be on the lower floors, which this is also a cool element of this. Like the idea that, you know, the WLF has staked out this building and is like slowly working its way through the floors, clearing out infected and, and pulling supplies out. Like that's a cool idea, but also that they like just go floor by floor and they're like the lowest floors. They're like, nah, nah, we're, we're not going down there. Like they just, they straight up don't go down there. They just block it off and say like, cool, we'll look on other floors for resources and stuff. And I mean, they're super smart for that mm-hmm. because it, I, I don't know. It, it does not seem like a good place down there at all. Oh yeah. No. I mean, once we get down there, it basically turns into resident evil seven. Like there's just yeah. all kinds of nasty gunk down there and stuff. Stuff um, has been festering mm-hmm. down there. Yeah, as, as Norris sneaks us in, and, which is also a bizarre scene because it's retracing the steps of the chase that Ellie and Nora had prior. Yeah. Um, mm. But Nora sneaks us into a different part and, and gets us in there. It's basically like, look for an ambulance. They'll probably have what you're looking for. Um, we get to also see like the ICU and the trauma center. And basically, like as, as we discover what was ground zero for Seattle as a mm-hmm. whole. Cause this is where they were bringing infected people to try and like deal with them or, or cure them in some way. And so this is where the infection finally like broke free and broke out. 
Uh, yeah. So the further in we go, the worse it gets. Yeah, but it was also interesting yeah. to me from like a lore perspective because like you, you're seeing like medical setups that we're not, mm-hmm. we've not really seen in anywhere else in the series just because like this was mm-hmm. at a point where they didn't really know what they were dealing with, so they were like trying, to, they were still trying to treat people. So yes. yeah, that was just like an interesting thing. It's like just like seeing a medical setup that maybe was like, like I said, like they didn't know what they're dealing with to the point where like this setup of like actually trying to save somebody's life just doesn't really exist any- anymore for this particular like infection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it is interesting. Like on a whole, like the idea that a lot of medical practice as it is in you know, where we are in the last of us part two is more about triage and like mitigating further problems than trying to like establish any sort of long-term care mm-hmm. or long-term solution to anything. Um, and so the idea of a hospital is strange because honestly the stuff that most people are dealing with is like bullet wounds and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's not necessarily, um, you know, they're, they're not equipped to deal with say like fungal infections. Like what happens if somebody gets tetanus in this universe, you know, like mm. are they just kind of like up shit Creek at that point? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh, that, that would suck. That'd be a terrible way to go out. I mean, there's a lot of bad ways to go out in The Last of Us Part Two, including the Rat King, but uh, tetanus is just kind of the weirdest way to go out. <laughs> like, imagine going through all of that and getting uh-huh. fucking tetanus. It makes... Oh, okay, God. have we... Mm, hmm? Do we all know how the series Supernatural ends? Are we cool with Supernatural spoilers on I- here? don't think so because i don't well i don't know i don't watch that show i don't know i don't know if you about you funky but that is like completely off the rails like of what we were going to talk about this podcast i can't speak for our listeners who might be invested in that show well <laughs> i i know i was on tumblr as oh, yes yeah i have seen it i've seen super hulak i i've been in the culture but i don't know what happens does destiel okay. kiss uh, Dean. I oh, Destiel is. is the ship name. Castiel. Uh, yeah. Destiel's no, not a person. No, Destiel is, is the ship, ship name, name for Destiel? Dean and Castiel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is this is weird that I'm the one who knows the most about this. But <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yes. What what about? Uh, I was gonna bring it up because uh, maybe like skip ahead a minute if you don't want supernatural spoilers, but uh, a character at the end of the series dies in that way. Like they've gone through so much in the series and then they like get impaled on a nail or something. And that's it. (laughs) That's the end. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I was, I keep thinking about that when I play games like this. Cause I'm like, that would be, that would be such a weird, funny thing for these games to do. It's like have one person that like, they don't go out by like some grand sacrifice or, you know, big dramatic moment, but they're like, Oh, I stepped on a nail. Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, is that why the fans were upset at the ending? I mean, (laughs) the fans were upset for many, many reasons. That is one of them, but it's not the sole one. Uh, I, mm, yeah. Go to your favorite YouTube video essayist to, to yes. learn more. Uh, Sarah Sarah Z on YouTube is who I heard about this from. A very good video essayist. So uh, I'll per- check that out later. Actually, pursue that in your own means. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
Oh, we're talking about Supernatural fandom here on Normandy FM. That's great. <laughs> Next Normandy FM season, Supernatural. Oh, no, no. <laughs> we can't pivot to that. Uh, pivot so, to video. Finally. It's, it's finally, we're pivoting away from games and into just the, the less interactive art form. Um, <laughs> You've heard of video games. Now here's video. We took a whole <laughs> word off. We took it off. It's gone. Um, so as we search around this area, we go to a bunch of different places, turn on a generator. Uh, there's, we, we get a lot of information about just what this was like for them trying to deal with the infection and how the all the different kind of branches of the hospital got slowly destroyed and, and taken over and how it infected out, or the infected got out and all that. Um, and and whoa, it's it's creepy I, as heck. It's like Resident Evil 7 down there. There's like gunk everywhere and stuff. Stalkers it, hiding in the gunk. Yeah, it is. I, I This part is very, it made me super uneasy because Abby is just jumping down. Like she has no, it feels like she's not thinking about how to get back up. And yep. that's what I would be thinking mm. about because there's just broken glass, no stairs. She says, I, I'm just going to jump down there, I guess. Like if, if the supplies are down there, I'm going to get them. But I, I, she that's eventually true. gets out, obviously, but it, it's just stressful to be like she's going deeper and deeper and doesn't seem to have a path to come back out of this. That's true. I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. Like, we, like we do jump down into like some sort of like they're like boxes that were stacked up. So like ostensibly there might be a way, but like, not taking a lot of time to acknowledge that or like be sure before you jump down. That's not like mm-hmm. the that's not she's the most forward thinking thing. She's gotta get by the wolves too at some point. Like if she goes yeah. back up the way she came, she's gotta sneak back out and all that. So, uh, so stressful of a situation. <laughs> Respect the dedication here that that Abby is putting into to doing this. Whereas like, I I don't know. That's at this point I would have been just picking up like a cleaver off the ground and going back with that and been like, well, this is what we got. (laughs) Uh, We got a cleaver and some whiskey and this is, we're, we're operating with this. (laughs) Yep. Good luck. Uh, (laughs) We're we're in a zombie apocalypse. What what do you want from me? This is not going to be pretty. I mean, it probably wasn't pretty anyways, but uh, so we, we get the power back on and we finally find an ambulance in, in like a garage type area um and we finally find some supplies in there it's great it's all looking good everything's coming up abby and i I should note that in this section we've kind of been hearing some like noises let's say some low growls yeah like like a and found some blood streaks that seem to indicate something like dragging itself and all that Mm-hmm. So we turn around in the ambulance and we see the Rat King. Um, for those mm-hmm. of you at home who don't know what a Rat King is, uh, this is this is the name affectionately given to this this infected. Uh, but a Rat King is when a bunch of rats get their tails all tangled together and basically become one giant mass of rat and and yeah. It's it's nasty as heck. Do not Google images of this if you are weak of stomach because it's nasty. Thank you for as saving heck. me. I yeah. stopped immediately. Is this when they're alive? Yes. Yeah. What? Yeah. This so is they the thing be- that just happens. They become this like mass of rat and terror and plague that is just. It's a giant ball of rats <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. 
what what we have here is a giant ball of infected that is kind of multiple different infected that have all kind of grown. They they look like the the monster from the end of Inside. If you have played the video game Inside, uh, oh yes, that I think thing even said that was an inspiration for this as well. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that thing at the end looks like it. The, it's that. It's this. We we found it. This is how Inside ended. Is it, you you get to the end and you start chasing after Abby from The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> it does uh, like I I dig it from like it is like another thing. Like the lore perspective of it. Like mm-hmm. you can like if you like knowing how the infection works in this universe, that how that thing comes to be kind of like makes sense. Like you just get a bunch of infected, like sit, sit them in the room for decades. Yeah, they're probably gonna grow into each other and be this giant fucking mass of fungus. Mm-hmm. It reminds me, like this whole section also reminds me a bit of the second Pirates of the Caribbean movie when they're on the like Davy Jones ship and they're like the dudes that have been barnacled into the ship oh, because they've yeah. been there for so long, and like you know, the the dudes that are on that ship like get more sea like and and like fishy as <laughs> as time mm. goes on. But when they get like barnacled into the wall and become like part of the ship and all that, it's it reminds me a lot of that uh, that same nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. I should play very that gross. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, this this uh, whole sequence though, fucking whips. It's real good. It's real real good. Like the chase scene is tense and like subverts you a little bit. Cause you'll have like one area that looks like you're supposed to keep running in that way. And then it will like bust through the wall ahead of you. And so you have to like pivot and turn and stuff. And there's just like, it's a really good chase sequence. And then it like leads into a really cool arena fight where, I mean, it's literally one of those things where it, you know, pans back and Abby's like, okay, how am I going to kill this thing? And that's when you start trying to kill that thing. Um, yeah, I I had no ammo during this part. Oh, no. Like, it's one of the few oh, no. times where I had, like, nothing. So I thought the game wanted me to keep running. So I, during this part, I, like, <laughs> ran around the arena for so long. Um, but I guess you did you did have to fight it, which I didn't want to do. But it is a really cool fight once I got in the, the rhythm of it. And, yeah, when that thing, like, peels off of it mm-hmm. so gross but so just like okay this is a zombie game we're in the like worst part of it all um right when people were still optimistic about where this this virus could go um but yeah very gross enemy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. and the arena is really cool because it busts through walls and stuff like that like there are a lot of ways to kind of like kite it around objects and stuff that you can intuit it will not be able to navigate around and so you have to kind of kite it around and stuff but there's plenty of times where you think you'll be waiting for it to round a corner and then the rat king will like bust through a wall like the kool-aid man and, and just like come <laughs> barely for- uh i i did not die during this section i've i yeah, got it in very one run i was well it, it's because i'm bloodthirsty ken it's because I, I want i i seek murder in this game <laughs> You're pro. You're actually pro. Because that's a one you gotta shot. Have. Yeah, yeah, if you get caught, it's that's death. So and I those just... deaths, the, the the death animations for this are gruesome. They're gnarly shit. Um. Yeah. yeah. Just don't get caught. It. 
That, <laughs> just don't get caught. <laughs> this reminds me of a part I also got stuck on in The Last of Us 1. I forget the character's name, but it's when you're as Ellie in the diner running from someone. Mm. And yeah. they oh, yeah, have yeah. like a one one hit kill on you. And it's yeah. very bloody and just like, good God, she is a child. <laughs> why, yeah. why are you doing this? Um but yeah, what, when this series leans to horror, it always catches me off guard because I'm used to kind of the more on-ground action sequences against like humans or zombies, mm-hmm. etc. Um, but when it's like a big force like this, or right. it's like more jump scary, I I'm always like, oh god, I yeah. have to get through this. Yeah, it, it is interesting, like despite it being like you know a zombie game ostensibly, like it does not generally lean into like what we consider like more traditional classic horror that often. Mm-hmm. And so when it does, like, when it is a moment like this, and even, like, um, some, some of the stuff back at the, the hotel as well, just, like, those moments really stand out because they are used sparingly. And, and mm-hmm. I think on top of it being this disgusting monstrosity that we're dealing with, um, it just, like, it makes it, like, a, just a really standout horror moment in a series that does not have, I think, intentionally does not have as many of the, those more overt horror moments. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah. we finally take this thing down after a lot of, flamethrower and pipe bombs and shotgun blasts and rifle shots and all that. We finally bring it down. Uh, and there was a little, a little guy that, that scurried off, like kind of split off at one point and now like scurries into the air ducts. And so we have to go up into the air ducts and in probably the best jump scare of the game, even when I was like feeling it coming, I still like, mm-hmm. it got me, uh, it jumps at us and we have to, to then take out the little dude uh, ourselves. And I was so mad at that jump scare that I once again did not use any ammo and purely fist fought <laughs> this, <laughs> this thing. Like was just doing the L1 dodge into punch and stuff. And was like, I'm Damn. going to break you like Bane. <laughs> like <this. laughs> yeah. It, uh, it was I like I I played this game multiple times and I still like knew it was coming but then I forgot specifically like the the turn it was gonna be and so like mm. I screamed off fucking god damn it and my dog <laughs> who was who was sitting next to me immediately like she like came, like full blown like completely woken up from her nap and just like stared at me shaking like what the hell is mm. going on what do we need to do where do we need <laughs> oh, to go no. and so I took it out I I killed that thing in her honor because it was its mm. fault that she was suddenly woken up from her nap. Mm-hmm. I, I totally understand that part because if memory serves correct, it breaks through barnacles. Like it sets mm-hmm. up that there's a corner that you're gonna turn around yep. in the vents, mm-hmm. but it the the one little straggler like per- bursts through there yep. and is like, "Let's fight right now." Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Quite scary. Ugh. Yeah. Mm. No, I I beat that thing to death with my fists. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was not happy about that. Uh, <laughs> so. We, we get outside and Lev grabs us, uh, similar to the way Mr. Golden Retriever grabbed Ellie back mm-hmm. in uh, the Ellie section. But uh, Lev, Lev grabs us like, hey, the the guards are everywhere. They're looking for you. Uh, so we grab a wolf boat. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I hadn't thought about that, but no, that, that timing doesn't fit right, right? That wouldn't have been that, Ellie's that boat. Been, no. no, yeah, that's day three. Yeah. Um, that would have been funny <laughs> if <laughs> they passed like ships in the night or whatever. Um, so we get back to the aquarium, uh, and and get uh, get Mel what she needs to get it done, and 
we sit with Lev and, and Alice and wait. And that, I thought that part was really sweet too. Cause now like Alice is totally chill with Lev mm. and all that. Um, like, yeah. like a normal dog should be a non-militarized dog. If you're not an <laughs> asshole. Um, and then Owen comes out and lets us know that it's all good. Lev goes into, uh, to see Yara while Owen, uh, sits down with us. Um, and they, they get to talking and Owen brings up like, what, wait, was it Owen who said what happened to us or was it Abby? No, Abby. It was Abby. Okay. Yeah. Abby brings up what happened to us, uh, kind of referring to like how childlike these kids still are, even though like how terrible things have been. Right. And Owen's like, you know, maybe we stop looking for the light. Uh, <laughs> firefly things again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see, we see Yara and, and Yara's had, you know, her compartment syndrome arm removed from about the elbow, but she looks like she's doing better at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine at least some of like that pain is gone at least. Um, and we walk through a hallway, uh, with a, a little dream sequence. We're back in the hallway of St. Mary's and, the alarm isn't going off anymore and the op- operating room door has like the doors open and, and there's a light coming in and we go in mm-hmm. and we see Jerry and, and Abby's dad is, is all fine and smiling and stuff. So it's almost like there's a little bit of peace. Mm-hmm. Maybe that peace can last. Maybe things will be good. Maybe nothing bad happens in day three of Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure the game just ends there. Yeah. It's like a happy yeah, that, that was it. We did it. That was the quest. Um, roll. <laughs> Yeah, no, we will have things to talk about, don't worry, uh, next episode. But I guess as, as kind of lingering thoughts, any last thoughts you had on this this section of the game, Funke? Um, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it as one of the, one of the reasons why I understood Abby. Like, day two was mm. super integral to that. And understanding Abby, Lev, and Fireflies as well, because... From the first game, I, I've just been conditioned not to really trust them, and it's nice to see these, as I said earlier, these different perspectives of how people are navigating through the world, and why everyone's doing what they're doing, um, because they don't tell the other characters this that often, and so when you get the chance to embody these different people from different factions, you get to see a wider picture of what Seattle looks like, and what the outbreak looks like to different communities, which is done very, very well. Mm-hmm. Ken, any any last thoughts on this before we leave off day two? Uh, I think my, despite like all the horror leanings, I think this, and I think this is in terms of the, the whole game. I think this is the most horror of it, all of it. It is just surprising to look back on it and like realize that it was, relatively speaking, like a moment of levity and just like seeing that Abby was kind of like trying to figure out, I guess, what what comes after what she has done. And, like, maybe she's realizing, you know, that whether it was worth it is not really the, the question, but, like, whether or not it was ever going to bring her peace was, I think, mm-hmm. the bigger question for her. And so, like, she's kind of, like, trying to find ways that she can maybe, you know, as, as she says, lighten the load. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so, like, I just I appreciate this moment. Like, just, like, again, like, it goes, like, some of the darkest, most awful fucking things that Naughty Dog has ever put to a video game. And... Mm-hmm. Yet it is still, like, by and large, um, kind of like a, a hopeful moment, I guess, within this game. Is it like, you know, she's starting to, like like Owen said, see the light again. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And surely nothing bad will happen. Nope. <laughs> like, we, like we said, game's over. We're, all right, well, next season of Normandy FM is... Uh, yeah, so on that note, uh, some of you who may be counting episodes at this point might have noticed that we're getting real close to the end of The Last of Us Part 2 here. Uh, I don't think we're announcing it just yet, but Ken and I uh, have been hard at work on figuring out what our next season will be. Uh, it's one that Ooh. I think is going to be fun. Uh, I know I have teased a, a few things over time, but uh, we have not officially announced anything yet, but just look forward to that. Uh, there will also be some changes probably coming down that way too, uh, just in the way that we we put out the podcasts and stuff, uh, just to make Ken and I's lives a little bit easier. <laughs> um, and also so we can kind of justify some of these episodes that have been uh, going on for longer. Uh, we've been having pretty big episodes this, this season. Uh, so we want to be mad respect for this whole format of show. I I really love the episodic walkthrough of games. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't see anyone else doing stuff like that and your notes and the show is so well produced. Great job. Y'all. Thank you. We, we try to do, I was talking to Ken about this recently, but I had, I had a friend who remarked that, uh, while they don't always want to like replay a video game, having something that can like kind of walk them back through it and let them relive it while also hearing people talk about it and discuss it in different ways was just like a cool way for them to revisit something without spending, you know, like the 30 hours or so that it would take for them to replay a video game or whatever. Um, it fits neatly into their lifestyle. So, and especially a game like The Last of Us 2, which I don't know if I'm going to replay because that yeah. was like, a lot like <laughs> mentally taxing. Yeah. Like, you know? that they were like, yeah, I don't really have a desire to play that game again. So this is fine. No. Yeah. It, 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 I, I enjoyed it a lot and it made me very sad, but I don't know if I want to like go through all those emotions another mm-hmm. time. Well, yeah. I will say that our next game is definitely one that... Uh, would be better for people to listen to than try and replay such a large game again. <laughs> and that's, that's the one hint you're getting, uh, Interesting. But, but we'll be, we'll be announcing that soon and we're already like sourcing guests and stuff for that. So, uh, that'll be a really fun one. It's one that I think Ken and I have both internally thought about for a while, but we never really considered it seriously. But I think, some of the changes we're doing to the structure and the rollout of the show will also like allow us to do games like this that are a little bit meatier, a little bit more to work with. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. We'll have, we'll have news on that soon. We might do like a little special episode or something like that just to announce it separate from these. But as always, we are Normandy FM. We are a podcast retrospective that goes back through games and you can find us online on all podcast feed services or at least like the ones that you probably generally use soundcloud spotify all that kind of stuff um we do have a patreon patreon.com slash normdfm where you can go and back us and contribute to what we do any amount gets you into the backer discord where we hang out and chat and stuff uh, we have all kinds of good times and shit post in there it's great uh at the five dollar level you get the episode as soon as possible, as soon as Ken is done editing it. And at the highest level, you get your name shout out every week on the podcast. And this week, that list is Kevin Kulikowski, Chris Johns, Alice Hawk, Colin, Just Colin, Just, The Wedge of Destiny, and Kevin Hux. Thank you all so much for contributing. Shout out. It, it is great. Uh, we, we love having the backing and having the support of y'all. And 
Oh, Lord. Where can the folks at home find all the excellent things that you do, Funke? Hey, um, first of all, thank you all for having me on. Thank this you for coming. Very yeah. great. Yeah, it, it was so cool to go back to that moment in a game that I spent a lot of time in. Uh, this mm. was a great talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me online on Twitter at FunkeFly. Uh, that's where I post pretty much everything I do that is... Yeah, that's video, writing, audio, etc. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm playing through Final Fantasy VII Remake right now on twitch.tv slash funkyfly uh, on Mondays and Thursdays. So, yeah, stop by if you want to see some cool sword stuff. Heck, yeah. Y'all should go watch that. It, uh, it, it might behoove you to go to go get in that mindset. So, um. <laughs> oh, <damn it. laughs> oh, Ken, I can never resist teasing. I guess not. but for funke for ken for myself thank you all so much and we will see you next week for abby's third day in seattle here on normandy fm peace